Hello and welcome to The Overtake. I'm your host, John Bozella, President and CEO of the Alliance for Automotive Innovation. This podcast is about the automotive industry and the people, events, and policies that shape it. Today, we're going to be talking about 5G, but not in the way you normally think about mobile technology. As we become a more connected society, the concept of the smart city is becoming reality. In this episode, we'll be looking into all the ways 5G technology can help us create smarter vehicles and a safer transportation future. To explore this topic, we're excited to have Ram Iyer with us today. Ram is the Senior Vice President of Connectivity at Harman. In his role, Ram handles all vehicle communications and networking, 5G network infrastructure for transportation, next generation gateways, and edge to device security. Prior to his current role, Ram has also served as the Vice President of Connected Infrastructure and a Senior Director of V2X and Smart Antennas at Harman. Back in November, we spoke to Harman about the benefits of vehicle connectivity from a safety perspective. Today, we're going to be expanding on that conversation to examine all the various innovations 5G is enabling across the automotive industry and address important questions about how the U.S. can successfully scale 5G technology, what a supportive regulatory environment for 5G looks like, and what we need to do to fully realize the benefits of 5G. Ram, welcome to The Overtake. Pleasure being part of The Overtake, John, and uh, nice meeting you again. Well, thanks for being here. Let's start with the, be- you know, with the basics. What is 5G and how does it fit into the automotive technology ecosystem? So 5G is a cellular standard that's been established by the 3GPP and it succeeds the 4G technology that most people are quite familiar with. But what people are not familiar is the benefits that 5G as a technology brings in to a greater extent. 5G addresses problems like coverage, throughput, and also latency. And uh, 4G addresses some of these problems, but 5G takes it to a totally different level. And uh, 5G as a technology is also kind of like enabling the kind of experiences that automotive industry is looking for in the future. So we are talking about an industry where there's a fair amount of disconnected vehicles, uh, connectivity is still ramping up in phases, and uh, we are already seeing uh, technology like 5G, which has quite a large amount of promises that it can bring in. And uh, we're trying to basically see how to marry the benefits of 5G with within an industry like automotive, which is still ramping up in terms of uh, connectivity, and how do we really bring in all these experiences together so that the automotive industry can truly benefit from the real promises that the 5G as a technology really offers. Yeah. So yes, it's a, it's an important technology. It's quite inclusive in nature, a lot more inclusive than where 4G stood. And uh, the automotive industry is really yet to see some of these benefits take off in a bigger way. So I want to ask about Harman specifically now. How does Harman approach 5G connectivity? What is the company's specific approach here? Once again, we start from where, where we are good at, right? Uh, which is building technologies for the vehicles. And uh, we have a 
vision to kind of like driving all of the automotive experiences at the consumer speed. And we have three key areas that we drive inside the automotive. One is the cockpit uh, and all of the audio experiences and then driving all of the connectivity experiences from within the vehicle. So one of my personal agenda here at Harman is to kind of like drive the 5G adoption inside the vehicles. And uh, I do work with a lot of these OEMs to ensure that 5G is taken up very seriously by definitely bringing in the benefits of 5G. And in many cases, the cars are not even connected, but they're going to skip a generation and move directly into 5G. So kind of making 5G as a center point for driving that adoption and building that critical mass that we need uh, as a starting point. But we're not stopping there. Because once we build in that critical mass, the next important thing is to drive the value that comes out of this technology. And this is where Harman as a company uh, is building out solutions more from an infrastructure angle. And this is where we are working with uh, cities and also other tier ones that are supporting the cities to build out roadside units. Once again, keeping 5G at the core of all of these uh, experiences, right? And then comes the solutions which are going to work more so from the edge. Connecting the cloud, of course, and bringing all of the cloud experiences much more closer to where the action is. And this is where we are also playing a much bigger role through our product called MechWave. So in the end, my goal is to bring the value of 5G to an end consumer in the best possible manner, where the the whole world is kind of like divided between unconnected, semi-connected, and fully connected, right? And kind of like driving that in a meaningful manner is kind of where we are focused on right now. When we think about the connected car, um, yeah, as you point out, there are connected cars today, you know, connecting through uh, a 4G, I guess we'd call it, um, or LTE type mobile connectivity. But what are the innovations and opportunities for the industry as we move to 5G? I think so that it is important to understand where the automotive connectivity as, a, as an industry stands today, right? So today it's more of a, a best effort or in some cases, more of a tick in the box. What I mean by tick in the box is it's more for compliance. It's more for ensuring that when a catastrophe occurs, the passengers and the cars are taken care of. And the best effort is where the car is trying to make an attempt to connect to the internet, to pull in the content from time to time. And at best, this offers a connected experience, which is still better than unconnected, but not to the extent that 5G as a technology is uh, expected to deliver. So what are we expecting now from a technology like 5G? Truly real-time communication, which is a lot more guaranteed in nature. It essentially means the reliability of the technology and the reliability of all the experiences actually goes a notch higher than where 4G as a technology resides today. And that requires low latencies which essentially means operating at latencies that are tolerable from communication perspective and something that a common user will not see as glitches, which is in terms of delay or buffering and so on and so forth. So these are some of the things that 5G as a technology brings in. And what kind of use cases do we really see these things primarily in the areas of uh, safety and also autonomy? When you talk about safety, the tolerance to latency is far more lower than what might exist otherwise. And today, most of the safety technologies in cars is a lot more on board in nature. And uh, with the advent of 5G, the expectation is that we are able to really take this to a level where 
the experiences can be potentially delivered or augmented by networks and so on. So that's just one example of what 5G as a technology can bring in, in the areas of uh, safety and uh, how the real-time communication enables some of these things. So that's really interesting. So, um, you know, let, let's let's explore that a little bit more. So, for example, there's a telematics system, right, in a in a car, uh, you know, that that I think many of our listeners would be familiar with. It's the ability for the car to connect with, uh, say, say in the instance of a crash, right? The telematic system might be able to automatically notify first responders, for example. There is also data, as you point out, on the vehicle that can now be transmitted off the vehicle and data and perspective outside the vehicle that could be brought to the vehicle with 5G with these higher speeds. Are those the types of things that you're talking about? Both, I would say, right? So as I said, we're coming off a generation that's a lot more reactive to a time and an era where it will be a lot more predictive in nature, right? So the 5G as a technology drives more predictability through the uh, aspects of low latencies and so on. So yes, the amount of data that the vehicle captures on board is now readily available and accessible should a situation occur in real time whereby the responders can uh, react to the situation in a lot more predictable manner, right? So they know where the situ- uh, where a situation has occurred, what were the kind of impediments uh, that, that caused the situation, any weather patterns that have happened uh, you know, in, in real time. And they have all these uh, kind of data that is coming in, not just from the vehicle, but also the infrastructure and the environment that is currently supporting the vehicle, right? And when this amount of data is made available, that is a combination of the data from the other vehicles around you, that's a lot more enriching to debug the problem. So a lot of the information is now already available. And so the responders are now better equipped to solve the problem, right? If it's a weather issue, so how do we ensure that we're able to de-stress the situation and the environment will be a lot better than someone landing up and then reacting to the situation. So there's a fair amount of time that is lost between the first responders landing up there while actually preparing while they are still on their way to the location and so on. So this is kind of like where 5G as a technology is, uh, is expected to kind of solve problems in a manner that has never been seen before. Yes. You know, and the other point you made, it really struck me, is the idea that, you know, with these faster speeds, low latencies, the ability to have more data you're really getting the perspective of a group of vehicles or a mesh of vehicles in a particular environment, right? And so you have more perspective in the shared data of a group of vehicles or a fleet of vehicles, you know, in a certain point in time, right? Absolutely. And I think it's the mesh data, which is a lot more enriching than a data from the vehicle in isolation. For example, like, what are the other vehicles seeing amidst a vehicle that has already faced a situation? Is this a one-off problem or is this a geolocation problem? Is that a problem that is associated with just the location or the terrain or is this a problem associated with the weather or a weather pattern that has occurred uh, you know, in, in, in a short period of time? So these are, these are the kinds of things that can be quickly ascertained. For example, fog, right? I mean, we all are quite privy to that problem, glare is another problem. And these problems actually hit us even today, 
And in many cases, we dodge that problem with less data, more intuitive, and uh, trying to solve problems in a much more, for the lack of a better word, I would say, more more scarier fashion than than how a technology could actually assist here, right? And this is where the mesh data that is a combination of the data that is seen by the vehicles around you, the infrastructure, as also the vehicle in it in question, can kind of like uh, come together to to really solve the problem in a much more meaningful manner. And and not just the first responders; it's also the the person that is actually driving the vehicle who can uh, benefit in a big way when all this information is made available. And the data, so there's an infrastructure question here, right? Because the data has to come off the vehicle and go someplace, right? So is there, just describe a little bit, uh, if you could, what that looks like. Are there roadside units or a type of hardware that is going to be built into or adjacent to infrastructure that allows for this to happen? The best example is time to turn green at the traffic lights, right? Sometimes today, if it's foggy or if there's severe glare, one is not able to ascertain what the current situation is. And sometimes even the cameras can fake. It can dodge, it can be so severe, right? Under such situations, when a technology were, of the vehicle were to communicate with the infrastructure and ascertain what is going on, a fair amount of decision can be made, which is a lot better than you know, making a decision with, uh, with your own human intuition. And this is where assistive technologies can come in handy in making a much more wiser decision where uh, the infrastructure plays a much bigger role in that decision-making process. So what's standing in the way of this? Um, you know, it, 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 it's 5G uh, seems to be developing here in the United States and in other regions around the world. Are there particular roadblocks that are between us and realizing the full potential of 5G in the automotive space? And I would say there's a, a series of challenges that still exist, right? So one is um, having a critical mass of vehicles uh, that are connected. Um, so that is quite important for the whole solutioning to work a lot more predictably. But let's say that's one set of problems. The other set of problems is, of course, the infrastructure modernization and upgradation is still in progress. There are some cities and some streets which are upgraded and uh, upgraded with the technology, but still the vehicle and its critical mass have still not adopted that technology as yet. So that's another problem that we have. And then comes the other question of uh, regulatory mandates that is driving the adoption of technology in a consistent and reliable manner, right? So we have a, a series of these kinds of challenges which are kind of creating a lot more of uh, an adoption problem industry-wide where the industry is still kind of like in a wait-and-watch game on what is the best way to deploy these things such that the consumers can benefit uh, in the best possible manner. So so certainly, I feel a coherent approach is quite important. Uh, and the first thing that needs to come, that, that needs to happen, is from, the, is from the regulatory agencies that need to drive the adoption in a consistent manner. I mean, there is a national policy that is needed for driving a technology of this kind. It's not just about throwing up the licenses or giving a recommendation, but a policy that says in the larger interest of safety and security, you want to drive a certain kind of a technology adoption uh, nationally. And that becomes the de facto platform for deployment of other benefits and technologies and supporting technologies and so on. When such a mandate arises, then naturally the different players, that includes the car OEMs, the consumers, the infrastructure players, they all work 
from their own you know, areas of expertise to kind of like adopt the technology, deploy the technology, find business models to making things work, and so on and so forth. So that is where the national fabric becomes quite important in driving the adoption of these technologies. And you asked another question. Where is the U.S. with respect to some of the, the countries? Some countries have a much more stronger agenda than the U.S., I would say. Like, for example, Korea, right? South Korea has been really deploying 5G in a, and they're truly fast-tracking it uh, nationwide, um, first from the consumer angle and then also from, uh, in, in terms of, the, of its adoption in the automotive space. China is another example where they are trying to deploy this in the best possible manner nationally as a technology and so on and so forth. And VDUX, which is kind of like an offshoot of 5G technology, which is called a cellular VDUX, is also something that China is adopting to drive the NCAP agenda and so on. And Europe is also somewhere in between in some of these areas. So how is U.S. faring compared to some of these regions? In pockets, the 5G coverage has definitely come a long way from where it stood. But is that coherent in nature? Is that consistent whereby the automotive industry and the consumers at large can directly rely upon them? Uh, there's still a lot of work to be done out there. So what does that regulatory framework look like? We have, of course, here in the United States, the Federal Communications Commission, which regulates the use of the radio spectrum um, where cellular communications uh, reside. Often there are build-out requirements that that uh, agency can develop. What are the specific actions do you think are necessary to create that sort of alignment that you're talking about between infrastructure developers, automotive manufacturers and innovators and customers? I would say these agencies need to talk to each other than just working in isolation as a problem, right? I think as, a, as an industry, we also are part of each of these agencies, but are these all working together to solve one big problem, you know, which is serving the consumers at large in the best possible manner. And uh, yes, the FCC have their own perspectives and they have different conflicts and priorities, but slowly they are paving the path for deployment of these technologies, but that's not enough, right? So then you have the NHTSAs that actually play a role of driving the recommendations and uh, also policymaking in, in, in terms of its adoption and so on. Even after all that, right, how do we ensure that some of the parties that are going to be responsible for its deployment in the different states of the country are equally finding the necessary drive, uh, the business models, and the incentives to go and push that nationwide, right? And so just making the policy recommendations or opening up the licenses is just not enough. Uh, you've got to still drive it as, as a national agenda, something that is de facto based on which other models can evolve. This is something that is necessary right now. I mean, it's kind of like, it's fundamental to the success of the infrastructure modernization, right? And if that is the case, we may have an agency, we may not have an agency, but that doesn't matter. But the point is, how do we get all these entities to work together to drive that fundamental fabric, which is rolled out nationwide, where all the states are going to roll it out at about the same time, because that's what drives the car industry to go and deploy these technologies proactively as well. And then you will see the adoption happen in a, in a consistent manner. For example, as I said, uh, in another country, they are finding some other avenues to, to, to drive that, like NCAP. And if uh, US wants to be 
seen as a leader in this area in, in terms of infrastructure modernization, they got to take this very seriously and get these agencies to work in a coordinated manner. I love the point you're making because it seems simple, but it's in, enormously challenging and requires leadership. Um, the idea that we've got to align various federal agencies as well as federal and state agencies and various parts of the the industrial sector, right? So, uh, and and I do think that, you know, companies can play a leadership role in that, like Harmon uh, and others, to help bring together that sort of national policy conversation that needs to take place. So I think certainly from where I sit here in Washington, D.C., what you're talking about really is essential, you know, and and I'm struck by the point you're making about the the dynamics in other regions around the world. You know, there does seem to me to be um, in the world in which we're operating today a competitive dynamic that we need to be aware of, right? That that there is an economic opportunity here for the United States. These benefits create more safety, but maybe more economic opportunity uh, for citizens through connected vehicle technologies. And maybe you could talk a little bit about what that might mean. You know, we, we, we tend to bring all these conversations together through the notion of a smart cities vision. Maybe talk a little bit about how automotive technologies like 5G and CV2X fit into the smart cities vision. Sure. So once again, all these are connected. And I think, uh, as I said, the national agenda to drive a uniform, consistent adoption of these technologies is quite fundamental to the success of all these ecosystem parties and players coming together and driving that in a successful manner. And of course, like what you mentioned, how does this drive in terms of commercial attractiveness, right, nationwide? Again, it's a chicken and egg problem. The industry is waiting on these regulatory agencies to get this moving before they can act upon them. But honestly, there's a big economic opportunity that is waiting in order to take off. Let's say, for example, uh, you know, nationwide, we see how the adoption of uh, toll lanes have taken off to beat the, uh, you know, the commute time, traffic issues, and so on and so forth. Now, can that be one area that nationwide we kind of create some kind of a consistent adoption of technology, right? Can 5G be that one way of driving all the tolls and toll lanes nationwide, as an example, right? And uh, that could be a way in which we start driving adoption. It's still not a mission-critical use case, but at least it drives the infrastructure players, the states, the OEMs, the consumers to start adopting a common technology for an objective, which is still something that most people are already adopting today or using today in a big fashion. And then how do you then take that and then drive it for other areas as well, like for like 3D maps, real-time maps, location-based services, driving local commerce, and then kind of like driving a lot of that data in a manner in which we keep the data locally and then consume that in a local fashion. So wherein the boosting of the edge infrastructure uh, will drive a fair amount of uh, edge-based commerce and so on. So 5G can kind of become that common point that drives a, a multitude of these kinds of use cases and scenarios, uh, which can start somewhere. And I think tolling is probably a good starting point, in my opinion, before we can think about all the other fancier use cases and probably also mission-critical use cases 
which is quite important to drive the future of autonomy and so on. And this is where we look at a city that becomes a lot more smarter, a much more efficient, because now in doing so, the cities are a lot more automated, self-driven. A lot of the decision-making happens much more locally than in a centralized manner. So all this drives an aspect of uh, a commercial attractiveness, which is a lot more localized in nature. So I think 5G definitely has the right set of uh, characteristics, attributes to drive this in a much more meaningful fashion, in my opinion. Well, Ram, thank you for being on The Overtake. It's been an enlightening conversation, and I really appreciate the time we've taken to be with us today. Thank you. For everyone else, thanks for joining us. Remember to like and follow the Alliance for Automotive Innovation on social media and subscribe to The Overtake wherever podcasts can be found. Until next time, thanks. Thank you.